that stuff was falling out of the sky. Um, haven't seen it in a while. That's refreshing. A um, couple of, um, or actually at the beginning of this last month, uh, Pastor Ed, who, by the way, they're away at a, a family wedding this weekend on the West Coast. They'll be back tomorrow to send their love. Uh, in the beginning of July, um, we begin to look at uh, the scriptures that uh, are in the lectionary. If you're familiar with the lectionary, it's a, it's a gathering of writings that church leaders over the years have put together. It's a very interesting combination of, of, of how they lay these out. If you follow the lectionary, you in essence have read in three years, you've read through the entire scriptural text. And, and uh, they, they put sections that go together and so forth. And so we've, we've kind of been taking an interesting turn here rather than just doing a series on a certain theme. We've just been looking at at the scripture for that week and letting the scripture really speak to us and lead us. And so we're going to continue that a little bit. And so we're going to look at that today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in, in June 6th. Uh, June 6th. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Vacation um, wasn't quite long enough, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, John 6th, if you have your <laughs> Wow. If you have your Bibles. Um, we had the opportunity to get away, believe it or not. It looks like we need a vacation. But a few weeks ago, we had a chance to go up north. I uh, figured it was a good time to go north uh, when it was 197 degrees down here. Now, um, seemed like we took the heat wave with us, um, but up in, we were about 10 miles from the Canadian border, and a heat wave up there is, is about 86, a high of 86, and the night it was about 54 in the night, you know. But these people were cranky. They were complaining, you know. They were just like, oh my gosh, how do we live? And I said, oh, if you only knew. And we had this really cool opportunity to stay in a little cabin uh, on a lake. Now, 10,000 of them in Minnesota, you know, but this was a beautiful lake. And saw the sunset kind of go over the lake every day. And it was probably the most peaceful place we've ever been. Um, there was like nothing going on. And it was quiet and peaceful. And we'd sit out on the dock at night. And, and uh, every once in a while, you'd hear a little boat go by. But pretty much it was just violent and um, peaceful. Quiet. So we just leaned into this. And uh, began to experience that for a couple of days. And, and after three days, it was like so peaceful and so quiet. No television, no internet, no World Wide Web, no Googling, you know, um, no downloading TVs, TV shows, none of that. Um, and so we were like going, okay, crickets. We need crickets. We need something, you know, to bring some life here. And and uh, now Janice and I are blessed in our life to have been given work to do that is energizing to us. We feel purposeful and on target. And, but we realize pretty quick that we don't know how to relax very well. Um, we are not good at this, just shutting down and getting quiet. And, uh, you know, those times away make you start thinking about life a little bit. And you start thinking about your life and taking, you know, taking a look at what is it that I'm looking for in life? You know, I had the thought that, gosh, I wonder if we had one of these little cabins ourselves, you know, that we could slip off to a little bit more often. Maybe we'd get in a little better rhythm, you know, in our life. And, and you know how you do that kind of stuff, right? You think about those kinds of things. And, and then I started thinking about what, what is it that makes me happy? What am I looking for in life? Um, and I would ask you, what are you looking for? What, what is it that you're looking for um, to, to give you, in essence, life and, and enjoyment? And most of us, people of faith, if we... If we're asked that question, we would probably think, well, I, I just want to know what God wants for me. I want to know what his will is. I want to know what, what he wants me to do, and then I'll follow him. As I began to contemplate that, I thought, well, that's the right answer, I think. But 
then I had to realize this. Do I, do I really trust, particularly when I go through difficult, and life doesn't quite work out in some ways the way that I thought it should, do I really trust him? Do I really trust, if he were to say, this is what I want for you, this is the path I have for you, um, are we okay with that? Do I believe that he has our best interest in mind? And, and even though I thought, well, of course I trust him, and yes, I believe that what he has is best, I, I begin to ask myself the question, does my life show that? When I go through challenges, is my internal response, if you, I mean, you can see the outside of me, and I can present well and say all the right stuff, but if, but if you could see my initial reaction, my, my heart, Am I living in a way that I believe God's plan? Am I believing, am I trusting his ways in my life? I just start thinking about that. So we're going to take a look at John 6 today and, and really see what the scripture has to say for us about trusting. You know, when, I was first, uh, when I first came to know the Lord, I was always told that scripture is a how-to manual. And it is. It's so important in our lives because there's so much wisdom that's in there. But I've also found over the years that Scripture, as we really read it and immerse ourselves in it, it shows us the character of God. We get to see who God is by what we read through Scripture. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. So as we take a look at Jesus as he was on this earth, we get a glimpse of who God is. I also think we see a little bit about us. Whether we like it or not, when we take a look at the disciples, and how they reacted in circumstances, most of us would have some of those same reactions. The fears, the doubts, the insecurities, the faith, and sometimes the lack of faith. And so we're going to take a look at this section of Scripture, and we're going to see what does it say about Jesus and the nature of God, and what does it say about us. And we're specifically going to talk about trust. Can we trust Jesus? And then we have to ask ourselves, can we trust Jesus? And so we want to take a look at that right now. We're going to start in verse 24, John 6, verse 24. Once the crowds realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. I really understand this section. We really need to look back at the beginning of the chapter and see the essence of the whole chapter, see it in its context, which is really true with every scripture you look at. It, we have to realize that every 
piece of, of the scripture that we take a look at is part of the bigger story. And we have to look at that in, in that in that setting. So as we look back uh, in just a minute, keep keep in mind verse 28. What must we do to do the work God requires? And isn't that what we would be saying? What is it that you want, God? What is what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to respond to you in my life? Um, it goes on in, in uh, verse 29, or it said in verse 29, uh, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they ask him, what miraculous sign then would you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? I want you to keep all of that in perspective as we go back. Now, asking for a sign is, it was a fairly natural thing that they would have understood. Um, because when God spoke to Moses and the children of Israel, oftentimes he gave them signs and miracles to, to convince them and to show them that who, who he really was. And so it might seem logical that that's what they would ask, but uh, it might seem reasonable. But when you really look back at the beginning of the chapter, we begin to, to question the reasonableness of that a little bit. Verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Now, what did they just say? What miraculous signs will you do? Well, he had just, they were following him because they saw these miraculous signs, this healing that he had been doing. And so they already were following him because of that. And then immediately, the next section, which you know the story about this, he sees this great crowd that's following him. Uh, There's about 5,000 people, it says. Now, historians tell us that that actually would have just been the men. So there was probably about 20,000 people here. And so what does he do? He takes a little basket of Long John Silver, um, multiplies it, feeds 20,000 people, has 12 big baskets of Long John Silver left over, um, and they're going, well, what miraculous signs will you do so that we can believe? And then immediately after this, Jesus withdraws. He's going to, away to be by himself. The disciples get in a boat. They start going out across the sea, and Jesus, in the midst of the storm, comes walking over to them. He scares them to death, but they know it's Jesus. They let him in the boat. They get to the other side, and then the people follow and the next day they realize, gosh, how did Jesus get here? We saw the disciples leave by themselves. How did Jesus get here? There must have been something amazing that happened. Did he walk on water? How did he get here? And then the very next words out of their mouth, after they realize Jesus got here in some strange way, is what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Now, I don't know about you, but I would have been getting cranky by here, by this time. I mean, it's like, you, you have got to be kidding me. I just, you saw me heal all these people. I just fed 20,000 people, just walked on water, and you're asking me what signs that I need to do? Am I just as good as my last miracle? Sometimes we pastors think that, you know, we're just as good as our last sermon, you know. We've got to keep on our toes here, you know. Matter of fact, it's, I don't like it when you come and say, Pastor, that is the best I have ever heard you. And I go, okay, hadn't been so good up to now, huh? Um, and i got to make sure I keep doing good, right? Anyway, that's fine. But, um, and so I think he would have been getting a little, now, fortunately, I'm, it's Jesus <laughs> and, and not me. 
Now I can, you know, I can judge these folks and rag on them a little bit, but I, I just wonder, I just wondered about us. Um, do we forget what He has done? You know, we go through a difficulty, we go through this stress, and then we see Him move and do things, and maybe a miracle take place. And how quick do we forget? How how quick then when the next thing comes up, we're going, "Oh my gosh, God, where are you?" Are you gonna are you gonna help me here? Do we do we forget? Do we need to be reminded? Um, and I realized in my own life how quickly um, I forget what he's done in the past. During Lent, we were invited to a um, Passover dinner, which was such a blessing. And some of the things that we read have just stuck with me ever since. And it reminds me this very thing of being grateful for what God has done and not forgetting the things He has done. Uh, just a excerpt from it, if he had brought us out of Egypt without bringing judgment on our enemies, it would have been enough. If he had brought judgment down on them without judging their idols, it would have been enough. goes on and says a number of other things. And then it goes to, if he had divided the sea for us without leading us across on dry land, it would have been enough. If he'd led us across on dry land without sinking our enemies, it would have been enough. If he had supplied our needs in the desert without manna, it would have been enough. And they go on and recount miracle after miracle that God did. And it made me stop and take a look at my own life and say, if you had just brought me his saving knowledge of you and you'd forgiven me of my sins, it would have been enough. If you'd allowed me to go to college where I received so much healing and I grew in so many ways, it would have been enough. If you had given me a spouse that I connect with that is the love of my life, it would have been enough. If you had blessed me with four healthy, beautiful children, it would have been enough. If you had given me precious daughter-in-laws that are a part of my heart and my life, it would have been enough. But we forget. We forget the miracles that he does one after another in our life. And we get something and then we go, okay, what's next? What do I have now? We need to recount the things that he's already done and celebrate the miracle after miracle that he's done in each one of our lives. Jesus' response to them asking that, what miraculous signs will you do, is he goes on and says, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Basically he's saying the reason that you're following me is because you're, you think that you're going to get your needs met. You think that you're going to get your fill the way that you want your needs to get met. That You're not really asking me to be Lord of your life. You're not really submitting your life to my lordship and leadership. You really just want to see if you can't get things worked out the way you want and get your needs met that you have today. Uh, so this entire chapter uh, of John 6 is, is John making the point very clear that God is trustworthy, that you can trust him, that he knows what you need, he has your best interest in mind, um, and he knows how to take care of you. Uh, and he's reminding us that that's been in the heart of God from the beginning. It's not a new thing that's happening, but that's the nature of God um, for his people. And so even when life doesn't look quite the way we would like it to, that he is at work, that he, he knows what he's doing um, in your life. Sometimes God can be doing something, and it's a good thing, but it's not the way we expected it 
Have you ever noticed that God does a little changing in your life from time to time? And all of a sudden, he changes something, and it's good, but it's like, that's not part of my plan. You know, that's not what I had in mind. We, we had a good example of this when, when one of our children was younger, who will remain anonymous, that was playing the bass. And um, when, because <laughs> we didn't, we didn't get it approved by him. Um, but when he was really little, we had the opportunity to take all the kids to Disney World. And this was a really big thing for our family. We were going to get to go for the extended family. And we knew that, you know, he struggled somewhat with change. So we were going to tell everybody at Easter that we were going at Thanksgiving. So they had plenty of time to plan and think all this through. And so we were so excited. And so um, we said, hey, guys, we've got some really good news. We are going to Disney World for Thanksgiving. And the other kids were like, yay. And you could just see it in his eyes. He was like, and all of a sudden he burst out and he goes, Disney World? We don't do Disney World at Thanksgiving. We go to Aunt Carol's house at Thanksgiving. Where are we going to Disney World? And we're like, this is good. Like, most kids really like Disney World. It's a really good thing. And so we had to talk with him a while until it was like, oh, okay, I guess I can go to Disney World. Don't we do that sometimes? Where It was all going pretty well, and things were calming down until Preston said, wow, that's kind of cool because our whole family's never gone on a plane before together. <laughs> plane? Nobody said anything about a plane. <laughs> but don't we do that? We think we should have things our way, and even when they're good, sometimes that freaks us out or that upsets us because it's not the plan that I want. We have to realize God has a good plan for our lives and rest in that and know that he's faithful and he's always going to take care of us. John refers back to um, the, the manna for the children of Israel here. And you guys are all very familiar with this story. I'm going to read a little bit in, in uh, Exodus 16.3. It says, the Israelites said to them, now this is after they had been led out of captivity, they've gone through the Red Sea, they've had this miraculous thing, and they're in the desert for a little while. And then the Israelites said, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. You can hear Moses going, yeah, that's exactly what's my plan. I was going to bring you out here to all die. I would have left you quite a while back. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on other days. So you know the story. He rained down this manna from heaven, this white bread with a kind of a honey taste to it. It was out there every morning for them to gather up. And he said, just gather up what you need each morning, except the day before the Sabbath, get twice as much so that you don't have to work on the Sabbath, gathering or preparing that. And that's exactly what they did, right? No. There were some of them that were like, well, that's what they said, but I'm going to go ahead and gather a little bit more just to make sure. And what happened? It rotted. And then there were those that went out on the Sabbath, and there was nothing there. God wants us to trust what he said and to rest in that and to know that he will provide for us. We don't have to hedge our bets. You know, we kind of get this contingency plan of, I believe that God is going to do this, but just in case, I'll keep this in mind. He is always trustworthy, 
and he will take care of us no matter what. John's not only reminding us of God's faithfulness and his trustworthiness and his desire to take care of us, but he also lets us know that God gets it. He understands our human limitation. He understands why we worry, why we stress over things. It's not weird that we struggle with trust. Because uh, he goes on later in that section in chapter 32, and he, he knows that we need to be reminded over and over and over again of God's faithfulness. As a matter of fact, in Exodus 16:32, Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer, a, a, little, a little amount of manna, and keep it for the generations to come, so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the desert when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna in front of the testimony that it might be kept, in front of the testimony. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years. Six days a week it rained bread until they came to the land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of, of Canaan. And so God knows that we need to be reminded. This little jar was to be put out so that the people, God's people for generations will be able to go, but remember what God did. When we go through a difficulty, remember what he did. Remember this miracle um, of the manna. God knows that we have a limited view. He sees the beginning and the end of all time. And we see about 75 feet. So you think he's surprised when we get a little stressed? We have no idea what's going on in the parking lot out there. We don't know what's going to happen at lunch. We don't know if the restaurant we're going to go to is full or not, or, or if the stuff we got in the oven is going to be done right. Or, and we don't know. He knows all of that. And so, so it's not wrong for us to be stressed. He's just saying you can, you can trust me. Just, just I, I have what you need. I'm the bread of life. I have the bread that you need. Now, this whole idea of God feeding his people, that he's the bread of life, is a very powerful um, theme in the New Testament here. I think we lose a lot of the significance of it because we're Americans. It is not, you know, most of us don't just go through these seasons where I just hunger for bread. You know, I just need some bread and water for me to live. Most of us don't miss too many meals uh, unless we're on purpose fasting. And we have to do that on purpose. It's you know, we have, we have plenty in, in, in that context. I think we forget what's going on here. But our hearts are certainly hungry. Our hearts are hungry for fulfillment, for love, for relationship, uh, for peace, for provision. Uh, we certainly hunger for those things. And what John is saying is that the only true fulfillment is the bread of heaven. The only true fulfillment for that is the person of Jesus. Now, we have an enemy that knows that this is how we've been designed, that we've been designed to feed off of this relationship, this trusting relationship with our Savior. Um, and the enemy knows that we would prefer to take matters into our own hands. We would prefer to try to get our needs met, not through trusting, but through being able to do it ourselves. So he has a bunch of counterfeits out all kinds of ways that we can go ourselves to try to get these needs met. Uh, maybe through success, or if I can get a certain amount of money in the bank account, or if I can, if I can have this, 
this little tryst with somebody that's not my spouse and get excited through this, or if I can put somebody else down and make me feel better. We have all these different counterfeits. And if our needs aren't getting met properly through those ways, then he has all these ways to just numb us out. If I can do this, abusing um, chemicals and those things, so I just don't have to feel that I'm actually in need. I'm lonely, I'm hurt, but I don't want to feel that anymore. So I can just go numb. So I don't feel that. So there's all kinds of counterfeits. Um, but every one of those ends up, the end result is as if you're drinking salt water. If you've ever been thirsty and you've come over a, a ridge and you see this ocean, it would look to you like, I've got everything that I need. But it's a counterfeit. If you've ever drank salt water, even accidentally, <laughs> by, by, you know, on a board or something in the waves, if you drink a little salt water, just makes you thirstier. It doesn't quench anything. It just makes you thirstier. Um, that, that we need, need more of that. So we only have one source of the true bread, the true water that is going to satisfy us, and that is in that personal, uh, the, the person of Jesus, in the relationship with him. As John is recounting this incident of Jesus walking on the water, the listeners of that time would have been thinking about another miracle. He's referencing back to another miracle with the children of Israel when they faced the Red Sea. Remember the story? They'd just gone through this exodus, and they're marching out. It's like, finally, we're free, and they're standing at the edge of the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army is right behind them. And so they're stuck in the middle of this situation, and it looks totally hopeless. It's like we have the sea in front of us, which we can't cross, and we have people behind us that are going to kill us. They had no clue that the sea was going to open up. That was not a normal thing that occurred. It's not like, oh, yeah, maybe he'll open the sea like he did last time. Or it's not like an action-adventure movie where you run out of a building in New York City and you grab the next cab that comes or you try to get on a bus. There was no hope. It was totally, we look back now and go, oh, yeah, he parted the Red Sea. But for them, there were no options. There was doom on any, any way you looked at it. And then all of a sudden, God, who is in charge of the seas, opens up a space that they can walk through on dry land. Don't we have times in our lives where we stop and we go, there is no way out of this. I don't see any way that this could possibly be changed or possibly be resolved. And yet God is big enough, and he's in charge, and he has a way of providing a way even when we don't see it possible, even when it's never been done like this before, God is big enough that he can do that. John's telling us some of this when he talks about Jesus walking on the water. He's reminding us Jesus is in control of the water. He can part it, he can walk on it, he can do anything that he wants with it. He is in charge. And for the people at this time, the ocean was a very scary thing. They felt like there was evil that was lurking underneath the waters. And so it was a very frightening thing for them. One time in Mexico, I got thrown off of a sea dew in the middle of a, a rough ocean. And I agree with them. I think there might be really evil, scary things there. So I've retired from any sea dew days because of that. Let's go on and look at John 6, verse 15. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. 
as a strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough, when they rowed three or three and a half miles, three or three and a half miles is a long ways from shore, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on water, and they were terrified. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. I love these accounts that we see in Scripture of the work that God did, because not only does it show that he is capable of doing anything, that he has control over everything, but it also shows me that he is right there at the point of need for his people. That when there's a difficulty, when there's a crisis, he's right there with us. So whatever the storms that are going on in our lives, we can have confidence that even as the storms rage around us, he's with us. So if we have financial stress, if we have sickness, disease, if we have relationship issues, if we've just experienced a big loss, he's right there with us. And even when the storm is raging and things feel so confusing and so overwhelming and so out of control, we can lean into him and listen and hear him whisper, it's okay, it's me, I'm here. We can trust him no matter what the circumstances look like because he has control over everything and he is trustworthy. Now John um, communicates really clear that Jesus understood that it's our human tendency to try to take control anytime we can. So he knew that the people, verse 15 talks about that he knew what they intended, that they thought the way this was going to work out is that we're going to make him king like other kings, that he's, that he's going to be in this position so that we then can get our needs met, our schools can be better, and our economy can go better, and our this, that, and the other, because we're going to make him uh, king in that context. And um, that going to have this strong, this worldly figure who would lead them in their strong, this worldly agenda, is what he knew that the people's t- tendencies were. And if we're honest, that's our tendency. You know, we, we try to learn spirituality that if I do things this way or if I pray this way or I do things exactly this way, then this is the end result. A plus B will always equal C. And we try to formulize this thing as much as we can. What Jesus is saying is it's not what, it, it, what matters is not what I can do, but it's knowing me. It's knowing who I am. And if you know who I am, then you will know what I already want to do for you. But if you focus on the things that you need from him, then that's us putting our hands in the midst of that. Uh, My dad was one of the most trustworthy people that I have ever come across. Um, And the reason that I trusted him was not because he showed me his bank account and made it clear that he was going to be able to pay for, you know, next month's groceries and going to be able to handle school and he was going to be able to, buy a little something for Christmas. I had no idea what any of that was growing up. Um, Later in life, I found out that they didn't make as much money as I thought they did. They were just wise stewards of it, and I just felt always very secure. But it wasn't because somehow I was able to control that and find all those details. It was because of who he was. It's because of his character, his nature. I trusted him. Because of that, I knew that he would take care of us. 
Now, that, were, that didn't mean that I thought that he would give me everything I wanted. As a matter of fact, oftentimes he would not. For I was hoping I'd get a bicycle, and he thought it was a good idea if I worked for the bicycle. Um, but I trusted his nature. It was because of the relationship with him that brought peace into my life. And so Jesus goes on in verse 32 and says, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said, from now on, give us this bread. And Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes will never go thirsty. He who comes to me and believes in me are the prerequisites um, for what happens. So with this statement, I am the bread of life, there's a demand that's being put on us in a way. It's not that God is now some kind of cosmic bellhop, that if I can do this and do this, then he runs to get this and deliver this for me. Um, that that's not what's happening. Um, it is about believing and trusting in the person of Jesus. Um, in the relationship that we have. So Jesus is saying through all of John here, through all of John 6, that I can do whatever I need to. I can make bread come out of heaven for you, or I can multiply. I can part the waters, um, or I can walk on. I can do whatever you need. So whatever it is that you're dealing with, come to me. Come to me, and and I will give you rest. Come to me, and I will feed you. I will give you what it is that you need. So as we close today, what I'm going to ask you to do, um, when we talk about this idea of trusting God, we struggle with that because of difficulties that we face. If everything was just going wonderful all the time, if everything just happened just right in our life all the time, we wouldn't have to deal with trusting much. It would just be, you know, it'd be easy. But we struggle because things don't always go the way we'd like them to go. It doesn't make sense that I thought God would have wanted this to happen. And that didn't happen. And so maybe he, what is up with him? You know? uh, and so I always want you to think about what, what in your life, are you, if you're honest with yourself, what are you dealing with that you're struggling a little bit with trust? That you don't know what's going on in the parking lot and you wish you could see through these walls because you need to. Um, and you're stressed about that or you're anxious about it. I don't know what it is. It's, uh, it might be... a some of you that are our age, you might have a child, that's adult child that's going a different direction, and you don't have much influence in their life anymore, and it's just like you just want to go fix their problems, and, and you can't, and you just have to absolutely trust. Some of you may have gotten a doctor's report that is pretty scary. Uh, some of you have younger children that, you're, that are, you don't know what to do with. You're you know, one that's having difficulty in school, and you want to just fix it, and you just want to make it, you know, but you just, but, but, but you can't. Um, some of you are looking at your checkbook or your budget and you're going, I don't know how this is going to work. Um, I don't know how things are going to get handled. I don't know what that is. So I just want you to, where you're sitting, if you just cup your hands for a second, I just want you to envision that thing in your hands, whatever that is. In the Sharp family, um, we've had a bad week. If I said the word crap, I would say it was a crappy week, but I don't say that word, so I won't say that word, okay? Thank um, you. The, uh, it just, we, we had a significant loss in our lives. Um, and uh, we're all just grieving together. Um, and that's what's in my hands. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand why it happened. 
we thought something else was going to happen, and something it didn't happen. And and uh, I don't get it. I wouldn't have done that if I was God. I, you know, the, the thing was a really good thing. It was part of him, life. It was just it makes sense to me. So I don't know what your deal is, but I, I just want you to to just look at that for a moment in your head. And then I just want you to take your hands and now just kind of put them like this. I just want you to take that thing and envision that that thing is inside. And, and, and what your hands are now is I just want you, I want to remind you of what God has done for his people over the, over the history of time. These hands now are him stepping into that situation, healing, giving peace, giving comfort, giving grace. It's his hands. It's the the nature of Jesus, that we see the nature of God through, that now is stepped into that situation. And I can't tell you exactly if we went, sent the microphone around and you shared your situation. I don't know exactly how it, how grace is going to be applied to your situation. But, but he's there. It's the person and the nature of God, the person of Jesus, that now has wrapped his arms around your situation. And so that's what we're trusting. That's what we're trusting. That he will make sense out of stuff that doesn't make sense. He will provide where there's a lack. He'll part the seas where you never thought that that could even possibly happen. Uh, he'll walk on them and walk out on the sea to, in the storm and, and greet you in a way that you never expected him to. So, Father, we bring our self to you, our situation, our whatever it is that we're dealing with right now. Lord, we, we, we trust that the that the nature, uh, the, the, the character of who you are and who you have been since the beginning of time, that you have always been about redeeming, restoring, healing, refreshing, bringing new life, rescuing, whatever one of those that is needed for our situation, it's always what you've been about. And we are reminded today of who you are and what your nature is. And so, Lord, we believe. Help us when we lack that. Lord, we trust. Help us when we struggle with trusting. But we're bringing our life to you. Thank you for the bread of heaven that has been given to us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. We recognize that... um, God cares about the everyday stuff of our life, that Christ entered into the everyday stuff. And uh, we, as the church, have the opportunity to participate with God as he looks after the everyday stuff of our world. So let's watch a video about this uh, backpack project that we're involved in. Thank you. 
you would like to give towards this project, we invite you to go ahead and prepare for that. Um, this is a really great opportunity for us as we uh, gather. This is something Sanctuary has been involved in for a number of years. As we gather school supplies and are able to put these backpacks together for kids that wouldn't ordinarily have school supplies. And then also we're working with um, some of the homeless organizations here in Tulsa that are able to help the homeless that, um, to pack some needs and some necessities for those folks. And so it's a great thing that we're involved in. It is the practical everyday things in life, and it, it's something that we have the, the grace to participate in. So let's, uh, let's pray for this. Lord, we are thankful for what you're doing in our world. Thank you for what you're doing in this body, in this community of faith. Lord, thank you that you have embraced us, that you love us and you accept us, and that you call us to something, you invite us into something. So, Lord, our desire is to participate in your kingdom, and by your grace we respond in this way, and we just pray that you would touch the hearts of those that will receive this, that they would experience your love. We trust you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give together couple reminders for you as you give is that our Saturday night service is coming up. Um, it is the 18th. So if you are, uh, we just want you to be praying about the possibility of attending that service. It'll be at 5 o'clock. Kind of make some more room for people on Sunday mornings. That would be a great thing. Also, if you're able to volunteer, it is a great time to begin to do that, not only on Saturday night, but also on Sunday mornings. We'd love to have you uh, participate in that. And then our family picnic is coming up August 26th. So we are excited about that. As you've had the opportunity to give, let's stand together. Let's lift our voices. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father. Son and Holy Ghost. Amen. As we go today, as always, we want to remind you of God's blessing for your life. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you safe in His arms. May He make His beautiful face shine on you. May He be gracious to you. May we be guided by, embraced by, and transformed by His grace. May He turn His countenance towards you and give you peace, a peace that passes all of your understanding. May you learn to trust him. May it guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Go in peace today. If you need prayer for anything, our prayer team will be here at the front. Go in peace.